Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth and hope you have been enjoying the shows we've been putting out. We've made it through a few different months that we had some celebration months. And what I always tell people is, if this is a first-time listener, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for joining us today. And if you've been listening for a little while, you know what? We appreciate you. We really do. And what I would ask, and I've done this for a little while now, but I've been doing this, and every time I've done it, it actually helped the show tremendous amount. So we thank you for doing this when you have done it. So we ask our listeners, if this is your first time coming on or you've been on you know, several times or you're just a regular listener, every Monday you're listening. What we ask is, if you enjoy this episode or any episode, whatever your favorite episode or episodes are, please share those with your friends, with your family, with your enemies. <laughs> share them with everybody. What better way to be passive aggressive than pass them to something like this and help them? That's a joke. But still, I want to see everybody share the episodes. Please help us with that. We are trying to get the message out about minority money and helping people change, helping us change the complexion of wealth. And that starts with the listeners. And so thank you for listening. Now, with that, we are going to jump into the show. Today, I have one of my good friends, old friends, longtime friends from Madeira. And everybody knows, probably more people know about where Madeira is at now from this podcast than, than they ever did before. So we bring some other right. Madeira folk on. We're going to bring him in. So today we are joined by Carlise Laurent. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I mean, I don't even know how long we've known each other. It's been years. So I won't get into that, but I want to, you know, I think the people are in for a treat. I'm ready to have this conversation with you. I know we've been, we went through a lot to get you here. We had some scheduling conflicts, but we got it. We made it happen. Man, in summer, everybody busy and things change. And I'm getting busier. That's why I was like, we got to get something down. Next thing you know, it'll be August. Quickly. Definitely. But we're going to make it happen, of course. I'm honored to be a part of this, and I like what you're doing with it. So, For sure. So for the people that don't know you, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do. Tell them a little bit. So like you said, my name is Carly Laurent. I am a mortgage loan officer, and a lot of people don't even know what that is. I didn't know what it was until I became one. A lot of people just think I'm a real estate agent, mm-hmm. or they say like, hey, how is real estate going? How is real estate going? And I'm like, I'm a mortgage loan officer. Mm-hmm. There's two parts of it. So a real estate agent, of course, they all go out and help you find the house, negotiate that, put the terms and conditions together. But before you get the house or the loan for the house, you got to meet with the mortgage loan officer. We do all the paperwork on the backside, all the money, getting you pre-approved, putting together plan of attacks, all of basically, I say we do all the hard work and the real estate agents just get to go show you the house. And I say their job is easy, but our job is a little harder. Like I said, a uh, loan officer. I've been in the industry about two and a half years. I love it. Of course, I'm sure you know and everybody else know that it's a lot going on with the industry. It's a lot of ups and downs. So by me coming in, I haven't had it easy. No way. It's a struggle from time to time. But this is a career I want to be in for the long haul. Absolutely. What got you into real estate? Because I know it's one of those things like, what made you get into doing the loan? So my background a little bit, of course, went to Madeira High Coyotes all day, played basketball there. So from there, I was like, okay, do I want to continue to try to go play basketball for a JC? I was decent. I wouldn't have made it probably out of to no four year or whatever. So I was like, do I go play for a JC? 
but I had an academic scholarship to Fresno State. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm good, decent in basketball. I ain't that good. And I was tiny, 5'10, 140. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then I was like, all right, let me go to Fresno State, go to school. Went to Fresno State. I was a pharmacy major for about two years. Some of the hardest stuff I've ever been through. But then I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I worked at Bank of America. I seen a lot of pharmacists coming in and their checks was probably $12,000 every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Not to mention if they traveled, but none of them were happy. Mm-hmm. Like they were a depressed group. So then we go to class, we're in old chem, chemistry classes. And, you know, the students are like, oh my gosh, molecules. And I'm like, they excited about this. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just had to pick some because, you know, in school, when you start applying for colleges and getting mm-hmm. awards, they make you pick something. Mm-hmm. You want to be a firefighter, a police officer, a lawyer. We have 10 things we want to be. And somebody just said, you should do pharmacy. You're going to make a lot of money. And I was like, bam. Yeah. So my junior year in high school, I just started saying I want to be a pharmacist. And I didn't want to be a pharmacist. And then, like I said, I went to college after two years. I was like, I don't want to do this. So I switched to communications major. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I know I want to do something with radio, journalism, something like that. So I switched to communication. So then I had to take extra units to get back on track. So, you know, instead of 12 units, 15 units, I'm taking 21, 17, working, doing all that. Mm-hmm. So then I'm in school, Fresno State, loved it, did all that, graduated with my degree in communications, a minor in deaf studies and hard of hearing, certificate in event planning, and a certificate in something else. So in college, they tell you when you get out, you're going to automatically have a job and your career is set and all that. So then I didn't know when I graduated college, I had to start over as well because I'm one of the first if not the first person in my college, in my family to go to a four-year university or, you know, and actually graduate. Mm-hmm. So nobody before me has done it to that extent. So I didn't know what came after that, but they say you go to school, you can be anything you want to be. So then I get out and then I'm back to looking for jobs and they want experience. Mm-hmm. You got to have your degree and 10 years experience. Okay. So where do we start at if we don't get let in? Mm-hmm. So after I graduated Fresno State, I moved to LA because I was like, I need to be an actor. I need to be some. I'm funny. Everybody said I'm <laughs> funny. They love me. Then moved to LA and that humbled me real quick. You know, everybody's getting in line. I'm like, what you mean get in line? I'm Carly. It's like, mm-hmm. well, get in line. Like, do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. This is LA. Get in line. Like yeah. everybody else. <laughs> so that only lasted about six months and I was back in Fresno mm-hmm. dealing with depression because it's like you're normal it just kind of cut me down mm-hmm. and then I went with a dream and came back with no dream so then it's like back to filling out applications and then my first full-time job after college was with Nabisco so I was a account executive yeah so when I got the job and I was like you know making $36,000 a year no $32,000 a year you know at the college I'm like you know that's something mm-hmm. so started there but then we went into a store and we started merchandising mm-hmm. and I asked my boss I was like who are we helping and he was like this is part of your job so I'm like did we never went over that I'm going to be lifting up boxes when I tell you I was a twig mm-hmm. I was a twig mm-hmm. I do not want to lift up boxes and all that like that was never part of the plan I thought I was going to make their schedules and go supervise you know I always wanted to be in charge yeah so <laughs> I was like okay I gotta stick with this job but I know no this is not what I want to do so then you know how you start making more and then your bills come up higher Oh yeah, because you started, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I took my Nissan Maxima. I had a 2006 Nissan Maxima. I took that back and went and got a 2011. 
because you know the checks rolling in there a little bit <laughs> different. You know, so I have some braces on. Yeah. You know, I'm being grown. Yeah. So then, I started going different jobs and different because it's not what I want to do. And I was like, I don't like this. So then I started taking jobs for the income mm-hmm. because okay, if my bills are four thousand dollars a month, I have to make forty five. I don't care what I'm doing. Come sell this. What? How much is it paying? Forty two. All right. Cause then I'm sucking that, and then now I'm making five thousand. Now the bills is five. Mm-hmm. So then I got caught up in the rat race of you don't love what you do, you don't even like what you do. You're just trying to pay these bills. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person that's written all on my face. You can see when I don't enjoy something. I'm not good at things I don't believe in or mm-hmm. sell. And I'm trying to sell office furniture and office equipment. And in my head, I'm like, y'all shouldn't even buy this. That's what I'm really thinking when I'm for you know. And I guess they could see that. So then that didn't last long. So it was just a lot of those kind of situations. And then of course I wanted to be on radio, but then I interned at Fresno State for the radio station on Thursdays. And I interned for Q97. I was under Monisha Mann. So remember Mo? Mm-hmm. So I interned for her. I interned for ESPN Radio and I interned for something else. But at the time, they're like, you need a real, you need something. So then, you know, Carmen from B95, that's one of my friends as well. So she helped me put together my real. And then um, I was working for Mega 97.9, Kiss Country and all that. So then I tried to basically get in there. But then having a lot of friends who are in the industry or whatever, you would think radio people are celebrities. And then when I found out how much they made, I was like, do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to do this, but my bills are $5,000. I can't start off at $24,000. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't to move to LA again or you know the big markets to where they actually get paid that amount of money. So. Then I was like, dang, so what I want to do, I was like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? I still want to do radio. I love radio, but the money, you know how they say, do what you love and the money will come. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have time mm-hmm. to wait for the money to come because I was already knee deep in bills. Mm-hmm. So then that was really my life goal to do that. But I really, that didn't happen. So then I started something called the Carly Show, which was like a podcast before podcast. I was the first one to do this. Don't even, you know what I mean? I've been doing this, been yeah. doing this. But the market wasn't there for that. And I was in Fresno as well. So I was kind of like ahead of my time. But then that ran that course. So then I started selling furniture at, a what's the furniture place in uh, Fresno? Passion yeah. Furniture. So yeah. then I started selling furniture there. And I was strictly commissioned. So when you strictly commission, you're going to learn how to balance your money. You know what I mean? I get a paycheck and I'm like steak and lobster but then next one is noodles so mm-hmm. i was like you know what i don't want to do the steak and lobster and the noodles let me just eat chicken so let me get money and put this away because you know when it's coming because your money didn't come in so the furniture got delivered so you order something it's six months out yeah you had a hundred thousand dollar month but them checks ain't gonna show that so then i'm doing that but then i started a limousine business i was using money from that to fund that and then we got sponsors and all kind of stuff and people to invest in the limousine business but i had a bad partner Mm-hmm. So we all had debit cards. So he lived by Table Mountain. So by the time we got the check, the bank statements two or three months later, he was going up taking about a thousand dollars because I think it was a limit like nine hundred and ninety-eight dollars you could take out every day. He was doing that mm-hmm. for like two months. We had like three hundred thousand dollars liquid cash. And then what he would do, we would have a meeting at the office. He would go buy a limousine for eighty thousand dollars in LA, come back and be like, "Do y'all like it?" And then we would need money. So then he'd go back and sell it like two weeks later for forty thousand. Come to find out he was splitting it with the person that he was buying it from. Because I was just like, why you keep buying these limousines and, and we need money and you keep taking them back? Like, we're taking $20,000 hits every time. Lo and behold, I had the best credit. So all the things that was in credit was in my name. 
So there was an Escalade in my name. So I got a brand new 2015 Chrysler 300 in 2015, and I had an Escalade limo in my name. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want my credit to go bad. So anyways, the business ended up going down, bad business, did bad partnership. That's why now I don't even want to go in business with nobody at all because I seen it firsthand. And this dude, oh, we homies, we this and that. We work together at the furniture mm-hmm. store, got played. So then I didn't want my credit to be bad. So I'm trying to make payments on the limousine and my car. The limousine was like 11 time a month. And the Chrysler was like 650. So then I'm like, I can't sustain this. So then I went to go see a lawyer. 2016, I had to file bankruptcy. And that was a whole journey in itself because then again, I never had no family members, no uncles, no nothing that, mind you, I'm out here navigating this everything on my own, trying to figure it out. And sometimes I feel like with our people, they don't want to help, but then they just think, oh, he over there doing that. And then if I'd have been like, oh, I filed bankruptcy, see, you doing too much. You should have been doing all that, not knowing the real reason of why things happen. When did you get into the mortgage part? So about over two years, I was working jobs like four months, quitting, getting fired. And it was just a mess. And I was like, I really need to figure something out. So then I was on EDD for a while because I was burnt out. I was like, just at home, depressed. You know, you depressed, that reflects your relationship. You know, my husband, he going to work, coming home happy. And I'm just mad because why you get to leave the house? Why you happy? Why you like your job? Mm-hmm. And then one of my good friends, you know, Dave Childers, mm-hmm. he was like, Carly, let me get you out the house. So he took me to Fresno City to listen to Common speak. Common was speaking at Fresno City. And I'm like, okay, get out the house or whatever. So then after that, we went to go eat. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm good at everything. So sometimes that's a bad situation. And they say, you know, what's the saying? The master of none, the jack of all trades, the master of none. Mm-hmm. That's a lie because I was mastering some things too. But I just didn't know which way I want to go with life because I could do everything. So how do you pick? I said, I like working with numbers. I like working with people and I want to make a difference. He was like, have you looked into being a loan officer? I was like, what is a loan officer? He was like, my friend Jose Sagan, he has a business. He's a loan officer in Fresno. Like I can put you in touch with him. And I'm like, all right, let me go do my research or whatever. So I went to go do my research and I was like, okay, because my whole thing was I kept getting these jobs, but then as the world evolves, they don't need your business no more. So I was like, let me get into something that's always going to be there for the rest of my life. That's going to be houses. That's going to be doctors and nurses and automobiles. So I need something with longevity because look, I'm 30 by 40. I need to be 10 years into something. Mm-hmm. When I say my resume looked like a Rolodex, mm-hmm. And then you got to explain why you keep leaving. Then he was like, try that. So then I did my research and I was like, this sounds good. Cause I always want to get into real estate, but I don't like being a real estate agent because I'm not about to show you 10 houses. Look, if you tell me you want a house, right. And we find that perfect house. What you want to go look at four more houses for? This is the house. I'm not leaving my dinner table to go meet you nowhere. I'm not going to go show you no house. You don't need to be shown. So none of that. So then that's why I was okay. Real estate agent looked at up, met with Jose. Jose was like, it's good. We started working on some things and the rest is history. And so when you started, you started working with Jose and that's what we wanted to talk about today, getting to the topic of home ownership. When we're thinking about that and we're looking at where you went and I think going through everything, which is, gives us some details about basically what happens in most people's lives. You go to school, right? Everybody says, go to school, 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 go to school. So you go and then you go get a major and then you find out that well, maybe I don't want to do what I thought I wanted to do. So what do I want to do now? And how do I figure it out? And you being the first generation, I'm the first one in my family to graduate from college too. The first one in my family to be married outside of my grandparents. So there's a lot of different things that come with that, right? There's a lot of different 
things that you have to try to navigate, deal with on your own, on your own. And you don't have like an example of someone that you can talk to about what they did after they went to school or the internships that they had or the different life experiences. Right. When you have that or don't have that, then you're left to your own vices. And, and what you were able to explain is basically that like you have to come through and try to figure out what's the best way to do business. How do you do this with business? How do you do that? And I think you navigated that to get to where you're at. And so now not only do you help people own homes, you own your own home and you've owned a few homes now. So when we're talking about mortgages, talk to us a little bit about that. So even with, like you said, me being a minority and even helping, it's crazy when I talk to a lot of people about home ownership, especially minorities, they don't have a clue of where you start the process. And I think everything we learn, we have to unlearn. For example, when it comes to mortgages, say you own a business, you know how you're taught to write off everything so you can get a good tax break? Say you make $80,000, but you write off $40,000. So technically, if you want to get approved for a house, you can only use $40,000 worth, your taxable income. So when people come to me in businesses and they say, oh, I made 80, I made 80. Because basically, when you have a business, they go, any income you use, they gonna, you need two years of it. So if you get in two years, EDD, if you still get it and you begin in those two years, you can use that income. If you had a business and you've been having it for two years, they're going to average that out. If you've been W-2 employee, they ain't going to average that out, but you need to at least do it for two years. Mm -hmm. So people come to me and they say, okay, I'm ready to buy a house. I made 80000 We look at their taxes, but you wrote off forty. Now your income is 40000 divided by 12 months, whatever that equals. Now you don't even approve for a house. So now you got to wait two more years. So it's a lot of things like that that I've been trying to educate our people on. Look, what we've been learning to stay the shortcuts that have been catching up with a lot of us. And we need to be taught differently. When mortgages, they're very, and the thing about 2008, seven and eight, when the market crashed, everybody thinks that's gonna happen right now. It's not gonna happen when the market crashed. If you went to the bank and you said, I made 600,000 a year, they don't even ask you for check stub or VOE. They gave you a million dollar loan based off of your word. So then you can't make that mortgage payment. What you gonna go do? You finna go get another house that you can't afford. So that's why people had three and four homes. Remember back in the day, everybody had, a big house in Clovis, a big house, Montecito Homes, and they making $60,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Like, how? And that's the thing. So now loans are different. You got to prove you can afford it. And on top of that, you got to prove. Yep. So when everybody like, oh, yeah, there's a recession coming. It's not a housing recession. It's an everything recession. But when mm -hmm. people say, oh, it's going to crash, like, it's not going to crash because the people who got approved for these loans, they went through the process. Absolutely. I think that when you're talking about the loans and the First thing you were talking about was how much people can afford or what you do on the write-offs. Because I hear people talk about write-offs all the time. Write-offs mean you have to have the money to write things off. Write-offs mean that you're saying that write-off is going directly against the revenue. So you're writing off revenue. You're not necessarily saving yourself money. And I think there's some misconception that people think, oh, I can write this off, but you're taking the cash flow out of the business and using it for something else that is not supposed to be used for. And that will come into play with any loan that you're trying to get. So I think having a better understanding of your personal finance, having a professional help you is part of it. And I think that a lot of times we've not done that. So I know you're talking about help our people. When you say culture or when you think about culture, Carly, what comes to mind and what you're trying to help? Well, I'm just trying to help people unlearn and relearn. A lot of people, especially in our culture, they're trying to learn things, but they have to unlearn everything. Like I didn't know nothing about any of this. And it's like when I'm educating myself to become a mortgage loan officer, I'm like, wow, 
I had one uncle who owned a home and he was part of the military. So he got a VA. Other than that, I really didn't have family members growing up that owned homes or how the process was. So with the culture is just like, I want us owning property, not just black people. There's other cultures and other minority and things like that too. And I feel like we have an unfair playing field. So my thing is try to make it as simple as possible and not complicate things and just say, look, this is what you got to do if you want to own a house. And I went through it myself so I can educate people on how to do it. And I practice what I preach. I want everybody to feel home ownership, just like you own your house. It's a different thing. Your mental changes. You got different type of money to play with. You're respected differently. Your credit is different when you own in a house. And I want everybody to be a part of that and not just be okay with renting your whole life. I didn't even know buying a house was even possible. You know, we rent it, rent, 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 rent until you get kicked out. You get another house you rent. You can't paint no walls. You can't do nothing like that. So I just want our people and our culture to see what it's like to own a home and to have some discipline to actually own a home. Yeah, I've thought about that. And I think about the home ownership and I think about how living in a place where you own your home is a little different because the home ownership around Lincoln and Madera is a little different than the home ownership around, say, Washington. Uh, right. Elementary school or Sierra Vista, if you will. And I or think Millview. That, or Millview, because the tax dollars that are around there, right? The mm-hmm. tax dollars from the home ownership that's neighboring the schools in that district make a big difference. And if you think that that doesn't make a difference in the level of education that you receive, you are sadly mistaken. We had a whole podcast about that, talking about the generational wealth and how important home ownership is there. But you also said something too. You were talking about mental wealth. Talk a little bit about that. Well, mental wealth to me is like, you have to mentally be able to dream it and think about it. You got to be able to say, you know, I can own a home one day, I will own a home or I can do this and I can't. And when I talk to a lot of people, not even just about the home ownership, they're just defeated. They're just defeated. They say, oh, it's different for you. Are you lucky? I got it from the ground up, but I always knew and I'm not even in my prime yet. I'm probably 30% of where I want to go. But I always had the mindset was like, I'm going to get it and I can have that. I went to Berenda Elementary School. So back in the day, you know, Club Drive was where it was at. So when I'm walking up and down Club Drive and I see my friend's family with a brand new expedition, three-story homes, all that, I'm just, if all these people can get this, there's no way I can. And I'm smarter than 75% of them. So then I started paying attention. What, how y'all, like I always talk to people who are older than me. And I asked for advice, even on people relationship, how y'all get the 30 years, how you get this house, how you save up a million dollars. And then when people tell me, but you can learn from a baby, when people tell me, then I listen and I apply it. I'm not reinventing the wheel, discipline. And this is how you do it. Okay. Stay at work, save your money. Don't buy no Jordans. Okay. And when I just started paying attention to what people told me, that's it. I mean, I had a, a hard upbringing, but I didn't do nothing. Ain't, can't nobody else do or other people are not doing. So it's like, if you're mentally wealthy and you think about it, that money gonna come. Whatever your idea of wealth is, it's gonna come. But it has to be here mentally. You gotta already think I'm gonna have it, not just like, oh, one day I'm gonna be, yeah, one day I'm gonna have that, but how you gonna get it? Just make sure you got a rich mind. I call it stinking thinking, because you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think you can't do it, you're halfway there. If you think you can do it, you're halfway there. Right, um, right, exactly. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. What motivates, inspires you to continue to grow, learn? And- hmm, that's a good one. I can't even say in particular, like, it's this one thing. It's just the lack of growing up, not having nothing. You know what I mean? And I just thought to myself, I don't ever want to feel that. 
that feeling I get, because I'm a very sensitive person. I'm a cancer. So we feel. What my brothers felt and what I felt probably was two different things, but not having or lack of or like being embarrassed or having to lie through things, I told myself I don't ever want to be in that situation again. I don't like being told no. I don't like being on anybody else's clock. So it's just the fact that I got to walk it like I talk it. Like I need to make sure I got it to make sure I can do what I want to do when I want to do. And ain't nobody going to take that from me. And I also don't want to go back to the way I used to live. And then also just I'm happy, excited about life. And I know there's more to like, you know what I mean? Like how you said you just went to New York. I want to be able to go to New York or Miami every other month and not be like, dang, let me see, is this worth it? And you know how you want to trip? Okay, there's $3,000 I'm spending. Now you got buyer's remorse. Should I have did this? Should I? I don't want to be like that. I'm excited about life. I want to keep going. I want to live. I want to enjoy myself. And it's just a fire in me. It's not because I got a kid. It ain't because for my husband. It ain't because I'm trying to be an example. It's just for me. And then while I'm doing it, I'm a very open book. So then I hope others can see, hey, if he can do this, I can do it too. When I share my stories, good and bad, I want to motivate others so y'all can do it too. It's not rocket science. So by me living my life authentically, others can learn from it. So ultimately, I want to be a motivation for people, but I got to live for myself first. Would you say that if you had to offer a piece of advice to the listeners, what would that piece of advice be? That advice would be dream it, put some action behind your dreams, do your research, put some action behind your research, have discipline. And when times get hard, keep going because they're going to be hard. There's nothing easy. Some people say, oh, well, God said it's not meant to be. No, you just didn't try hard enough. Don't be bringing God in. I ain't got nothing to do with that. You didn't try hard enough. And just be consistent. Well, whatever you do, be consistent. And that's it. And then have some fight in you. I don't like the word no. And if you tell me I can't get it this way, I'm going to find out a way to get it. And that's with anything. That's it. That was a few pieces of advice. But hey. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I always say peace or pieces. Thank you for coming in because there's always something about being able to have friends come on to the show. Like, yeah, come on to the show. Let's just talk and have you share your story. And it's even better when they're in business and they can actually help people through the business by being on the show. So one thing I want to make sure that we do is if people listening want to make sure that they have an opportunity to connect with you. And so if they want to connect with Carlise, what social medias are you active on? What social media handles are you willing to get? Well, I'm active on Facebook. <laughs> now, if I don't know you on Facebook too much, I might add you, but that's kind of personal. And then I have my Instagram that's personal as well, but I also have a business Instagram. It's MLO, which is mortgage loan officer. MLO underscore Laurent. So that's my business page. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, but it depends on what we're talking about or whatever. You send a request. I might add you, I might not. <laughs> um, I'm myself though, and I'm not going to um, not be myself or whoever decides they want to add me. So you might be in for a wild ride. <laughs> so follow at your own risk. You follow Carlise. Follow at your own risk. There's not too many Carlise Lorenz out there. So you type my name and it's going to pop up. There you go. We have it all in the show notes. But once again, man, I thank you for coming by. It's always a pleasure chopping it up with you. Maybe next time we have to have you you and Jake on so we can talk about that. That's a whole Yeah, show. and then we got to have some whiskey on the side, too. Oh, you already know that. I'm telling you, we might have to do that. But no, not might. We have to do the whiskey regardless. That'll work. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time, I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Mack. Another great showdown but it doesn't have to stop there. 
be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time, 